The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 165 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Benello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show are my own and that that of my present or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I reported to as a result of my current employment, and I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during the show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. I hope everyone has a safe, secure, and healthy 2021. We closed out the uh, 2020 season of uh, Task Force 7 Radio with Chris Triolo, the Chief Customer Officer of Response Software, which was newly acquired by FireEye. He joined me last week to talk about the future of security operations centers. Chris described the most important qualifications you should be looking for in a SOC analyst candidates, where he sees in 2021 security investments being made, and his opinion on the SEAM source base. All this and much, much more in episode number 164 of Task Force 7 Radio. Don't sweat it if you missed it, folks. You can find us on Playback Everywhere. That's episode 164 of Task Force 7 Radio, the future of cybersecurity operations centers. So we have another return guest for you this week, a good pal of mine. I'm excited to have him back on the show, the Vice President of North American Cyber Center of Excellence for Capgemini, Mr. Drew Moorfield. Drew is a versatile executive with both sales and delivery experience. He has overseen a portfolio of outsourcing and technology services that covers all aspects of infrastructure to provide true end-to-end solution focused on business outcomes. At Capgemini, his emphasis in the market is driven by close client collaboration, leveraging the firm's full portfolio of services to include cloud computing, managed hosting, cybersecurity, data center services, virtualization, remote infrastructure management, service desk, service integration management, and workplace services. Drew has a long history in the cybersecurity space, having served in leadership positions with prior companies, including GuidePoint Security, Capbird, and Verizon, where he was the VP of security services. And he was, he's an undergraduate degree in business management for marketing from Longwood University. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Vice President of North American Cyber Center of Excellence from Capgemini, Mr. Drew Moorfield. Drew, welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, buddy. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, brother. Hey, look, you're, you're a special guest here. Look, we, we you know, ha- first of all, let's back up. Happy New Year, brother. Happy 2021. Turn the corner on twenty. And, um, you know, look, even though we had a crazy year last year, it ended really well for you and, and for CAP. You were, for folks that don't know, Drew was named number seven in the top 25 of IT executives of 2020 by uh, IT services report. So congratulations on being recognized uh, uh, by your peers. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So look, how, give me a little background. Can I talk to you? Before we came on the show, you're like, I didn't even know I was getting that award, right? And a lot of times, you know, we do a lot of industry recognition. You, you know, you apply, you, uh, you know, you interview and there's a whole slate of people. Kind of how did that, how did you hear about it and how that play out? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like as we, as we touched on prior to speaking, it was day or two before Christmas and, and that, uh, 
that report was published. Obviously, not only a, a surprise, but very humbling and and grateful for it. I uh, there was no there was no prior discussion or uh, anticipation of it. So I think you know for what I'm most proud of, obviously inherent to the award is it, it it seemed to be as objective as you can as you can have it. And and when you get uh, the nod or some level of acknowledgement from those that. Uh, you've either been mentored by or you've tried to follow within within the cyberspace, which, as you know, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It, uh, it's actually a, a, a huge indicator of, you know, kind of where I'm at from a career perspective and, and certainly where I'd like to go moving forward. You know, obviously have to, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you hear a quarterback that threw for 500 yards and he gives credit to the offensive line, right? So ultimately, we're only as good as what's in front of us, what's behind us, who we're executing with every day, um, the kind of passion and, and authenticity um, and, and creativeness and collaboration and, quite frankly, resilience um, that, that you need day in and day out to be successful. I mean, only at that time can you even be in a, you know, in a position to be considered for something like this. So obviously a huge credit to my team and, and to Capgemini um, as a whole, right? We've gone through a lot of maturation uh, in the last few years, including a, a strategic and, and really um, critical acquisition and integration of, of Lido Cyber, um, which has given us material, you know, competency that we didn't have, scale that, that obviously we would have had through growth, but it would have taken certainly a, a longer, longer ladder to get there. And then specifically in somewhere that I've been trying to challenge myself and grow out of necessity and out of market opportunity that we're seeing right now, specifically from an OT cyber perspective, right? I, I was quite ignorant, quite, uh, quite frankly, just given the conversations we had, we were having, you know, uh, the customers we really weren't supporting from a critical infrastructure perspective. Um, there were some interesting key relationships where we were taking proverbial IT cyber services and throwing them at some interesting, you know, IP configured assets that weren't traditionally IT, you know, techie based, if you will, but nothing on the level, you know, we're doing today from a, a zero trust engineering at, at a network level um, and some of the managed and monitoring services that we're trying to develop for that space specifically because it, it, it needs it. Yeah, man, that's uh, congratulations. I mean, when you came on the show, it's been a little while, but you know, you were the you know the head of the cyber North American cybersecurity practice, and now it's converted to a center of excellence. So the growth there is obviously being recognized, uh, just in in what you're overseeing today, and that you can see the strategic direction that the company and you are driving. Um, so yeah, congratulations on on that evolution. Uh, what's that What's that look like though? What does that mean? You know, kind of going from running a practice to a COE. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you're a good friend, so I think the the closer the friend, the tougher the question sometimes, which is which is fair, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is fair, uh, and that's ultimately where I think good conversation and, and good ideas come from. Um, in this case, honestly, you know, certainly personal and professional change for me above and beyond the pandemic, um, from having practice uh, in region level responsibility and, and span of control to. Uh, a more uh, targeted or focused role. But in this case, the center of excellence um, absolutely represents uh, an, a, a level of cognizance and commitment from the business around the need to continuously not only deliver effectively in the cyberspace like, like no other domain we know of, but that you have to be continuously innovating. 
And the only way you do that, um, and that's not necessarily, we, we'd like that to be product and capability and platform based and to be generating new tools and technologies or ways of delivering on a, on a continuous basis. But that's everything from pre-sales, solution, solutioning, deal modeling, uh, working with our offshore brethren and our global uh, delivery footprint to ensure that we deliver a quality of service that, that, our, that our clients expect. Um, it's thought leadership um, and marketing. Uh, as well as enablement, um, you know, for I don't think Captain and I in, in any capacity would shy away from the fact that we have to get better as an organization uh, uh, around understanding what our what our what our clients and prospects are truly struggling with and are trying to solve for, um, so that we can engage, um, speak relevantly, and then of course deliver relevantly and effectively. So there's a lot you know, within the center of excellence that I'm responsible for that I take, you know, great pride in. And I think if I back up in my career, you know, going into Capgemini, I was deliberately and somewhat uncomfortably switching gears and going from a sales quota business people leadership uh, world and, and responsibility to a, an, a delivery one from a, a projects and consulting perspective. And that, of course, grew into managed security services, then took on operational responsibilities, and those two domains, operationally focused and um, uh, delivery focused, was almost the other side of the table, you know, from what I was selling to or speaking to or selling with um, historically. So just like a good, you know, I think I joke with my kids, every good human being should have to wait tables at some point. You know, I think every every salesperson at some point should have to uh, manage ops, uh, finances, delivery, so they understand the full continuum and, and can and can work more effectively. So, uh, taking on those responsibilities and then growing into something where I'm I'm focused on portfolio and pre-sales and making sure that we can not only uh, capture but fulfill uh, ultimately what we're able to capture on a consistent basis has been uh, has been a lot of fun with its challenges, but with uh, with substantial opportunities. So we we expect to continue to grow and to attract the kind of talent within this, uh, within this group that can do the things I alluded to earlier. That's, yeah, that's probably cool. a long answer, but that, that, yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> I right. think I it was deserving of one. That's always yeah. going to be the case. So yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, the, I think that you hit on something really interesting that hopefully people caught, which was the, the, the strategic career decision of you to get uncomfortable and disrupt yourself. I, I made a similar decision and I, you know, when, when we were working together at Verizon and I decided to leave and go internal into a company um, to manage cybersecurity capabilities because I wanted to make sure that I understood, you know, if I were to ever go back into consulting, I felt like that was just a gap that I had where I'm, I'm giving advice to people tactically on how to run their day-to-day and things they should do, but I actually had never done it myself. So I didn't fully appreciate all the hurdles, the politics, like what do they have to go through to run the program day to day? And it's it's interesting that you similar to have a similar um, epiphany, right? To say like, I want to make that kind of shift. So hopefully people caught that, you know, the value of disrupt yourself, be uncomfortable, grow uh, and put yourself in that position you know, so that you can, um, you know, extend your career um, and, and give yourself more opportunities. I think that's a great, great uh, call out. Um, and and I, did, I did nothing special in that transition. I see people today that, I mean, I, you know, just a few parallels. I see really, really good delivery folks, you know, growing into a pro- program or project management position. So, so you know, it's, it's all based on DNA, but if, you know, if there's a capacity there and an interest, we've seen a, 
a really relevant trajectory, right? Or even strong IT leaders, so to speak, coming over to the dark side and being a really a, a business leader who can who can speak to all sides of the of the equation, uh, operationally and technologically speaking, but then also can speak up and down the stack. So if you can, if you understand in any situation, you know, the, the myriad of drivers or objectives or goals that are part of a single conversation and figure out a way to deliver or, or drive an outcome that's relevant to the vast majority of those sides, you're typically going to be successful. So I'd like to see more of that in the cyberspace. And I think as cyber professionals, we need to be, you know, constantly thinking of ways to drive organic growth opportunity for, for the talent that's hard to find, let alone retain, you know, and you know that just as well as I do. Yeah, man. Look, I, I think that's, you know, look, it, it's a human element game, right? And at the end of the day, yeah, like, for sure. you know, know that um, and it is on their side. So, look, I got a lot to dive in with you, man, in this next segment, but we got we to break for a commercial break. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram at searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's with the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, then we'll be right back with Vice President North American Cyber, Cyber Center of Excellence from Capgemini, Mr. Drew Moorfield. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Synet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Synet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Synet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure. Security-innovation.org or Google Signet S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Vice President of North American Cyber Center of Excellence from Capgemini, Mr. Drew Moorfield. So, Drew, you know, the pandemic, if it taught us nothing else, you know, resilience, and you know, was a big part of that, whether it's at work, at home, in our personal lives. Um, and I know Cap did a recent, uh, you know, did some recent work around resilience, Um What's it look like, you know, going forward, man? What's what's resilience going to look like in twenty one? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, there's no there's no doubt that we're in unprecedented times, personally and professionally. And again, I'm glad to hear you're doing well, and hope everyone stays safe until we can get on the other side of this thing. But from an enterprise or, or commercial perspective, to your you know what what you just mentioned, we've been very focused on not only what does cyber resilience mean, but of course, then being in a position position, excuse me, to deliver that. Um, and so, you know, to, to do a, make a long story short, because I think, you know, the, the information behind it is what's most interesting and potentially valuable to your listeners. We wanted to define basically what does cyber resilience mean to enterprises today? You know, we can, we've looked at how that's changed, which we can touch on as well. And then what are some of the key drivers or priorities associated to that definition? Um, and so objectively or via the report, what came back, uh, the consensus was, that cyber resiliency is an organization's ability to predict, predict, resist, recover from, and adapt to both adverse conditions, for, you know, such as attacks or compromises on cyber resources and changing business conditions, right? New revenue streams, changing economic conditions, work from home, supply chain, B2B relationships, and of course, monetizing uh, your key uh, customer relationships in the market, right? And so, and, and I think the majority of us, um, hopefully would, would agree with that with some, you know, puts and takes there. But we also decided to, to you know, look across most verticals um, that we're servicing today, which includes all the, all the main industries, you know, we're, we're aware of and, and, and try to, to develop a, a set of questions uh, or a level of focus within the report that says, not only what is, what does achieving cyber resilience mean, but then what's some practical, you know, blueprint, type advice or, or direction that could be provided. So we looked at influences and characteristics of, of, of the organization, where they are from a, a maturity perspective, which by the way, um, is, is, is a lot of uh, our focus is, is effectiveness and the maturity of the organization and how to tangibly and, and, and effectively and sustainably address and change and, and, and move that in the right direction based on the, the company's goals and focus. Um, and and <clears throat> what we saw was that cyber resilience requires incredible amounts of visibility 
uh, across the enterprise. And when we went to say, hey, how, how important would the following aspects be in accomplishing your company's cyber resilience goals? We asked, you know, specifically visibility across the enterprise and applications, you know, 45% uh, of the respondents said that, you know, that that would be an absolute critical aspect. The ability to identify and measure risk uh, was another big one. And then a skilled and adaptive set um, of resources. So no, no huge surprises as far as what, you know, how we are in a position to deliver that over time, but perhaps, you know, how we're measuring it or what the, what the definition of success is and where the investments are, are shifting um, are, are interesting or, you know, to note. Yeah, man, it's, um, it's cool data. And so it is, um, did you guys cover anything related to like specific to the pandemic or, I mean, I know for yourself personally, you got a new gym, you built it out, you're going to get swole for the year in 21. I get it. Right. Was there any, any advice that came out of, of the, of your research as it relates to just, uh, the pandemic specifically, or is that just kind of in general? Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, at some level first, you know, 85% of respondents said that, you know, COVID-19 played a material role um, in, in driving cyber resilience and, and it representing, you know, more challenges uh, to the organization, right? When we said, what are the most challenging aspects of cyber resiliency, you know, across the business today, the, the, the digitization of the business is growing too quickly to keep up was one of the things we heard. COVID-19 has changed the cyber landscape and the way we operate. 71% of respondents had said that. And then threats to the organization are more advanced compared to 2019, which I would add, I think it's both a, a volume and uh, you know brute force and sophistication. It's kind of the three legs of the stool and the consistency of those uh, you know malicious behaviors that we're defending which represents significant challenges to the business. But yeah, there's no doubt, right? COVID-19, as I mentioned, was a huge driver. I, and, and what we saw um, is some businesses just lucked out, inherit to their business or their business model, you know, based on what their inventory looks like or, or the outcome or service and products they're delivering. They were already heavily virtualized. They were already in a distributed environment. They already had clients that felt taken care of within that model versus going to brick and mortar or seeing a different flavor of the organization. And on the full other side of the spectrum, you know, you had businesses that just simply weren't there, that, that weren't as deep into their journey to the cloud, if you will, right? Or, or, or you know, the um, managing hybrid cloud workloads and replacing both physical technology as well as some of the limitations associated to to physical environments that um, that we see cloud supplementing or really improving. Um, and so I think the focus now is whether you recognize material opportunity or are still in the midst of significant challenges, you know, it's getting back to the basics, right? That we, we know that bad actors thrive with hysteria and, you know, with, uh, poor decision making, um, and, and these times they're 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 going to hunker down and 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 really try to be effective in in, in some of their attacks or what they're looking to accomplish. And so, you know, before looking at any advanced technologies or you know before having um, strategic or even innovative discussions, making sure that the basic blocking and tackling, that the health, the hygiene, 
the measurement of the business, the equitability between risk tolerance and you know risk exposure um, uh, re- remains in check. And then and and then having a really good understanding of where your levers are. Right? It's you know the diminishing level of return conversation is still somewhat relevant, but you know, where, where can I spend my dollar? How can I lean my shoulder and do a few things within the business to get the biggest return or to have the most measurable, you know, increase in security posture or, you know, to be able to recognize X percent of market capture in a particular industry, you know, whatever those drivers are, just making sure you understand where the levers are in the business and, and how your dollar can be, you know, uh, spent or recognized uh, most successfully, I think continues to be a big focus and opportunity. Yeah, man. So when we talk about resilience and, and the way we work, obviously travel, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, came to a screeching, screeching halt for, for, for some, right. And, and in, in your world being that you, you know, you're delivering, you know, either remotely, you're delivering on site, you're trusted advisors to uh, executives and, you know, how, how did the, inability to be face-to-face or in-person impact, um, you know, the business, the role, um, how you're, how you're, how you saw delivery happen. That's a really good question. No, I appreciate it. Uh, it's a, it's a really good question and we could have, and probably will have longer discussions, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to be succinct here for you, um, for your audience. But, you know, honestly, the, the change wasn't, in how we deliver. Thankfully, you know, getting back to the prior, you know, comment or perspective that I, I, I set forth, you know, we were in a position to deliver high quality, you know, scalable managed security services and the varying degrees of that or flavors of that um, um, globally. Uh, and, and so, you know, the, the delivery model didn't necessarily change. Obviously, there's been some tweaks and in investments, et cetera, like every other business is doing. But for the most part, the, the, the model supported this uh, time that we're in and the expectations of the market. I think what really was most challenging, at least at a broad level, is at the end of the day, if there's not trust and uh, credibility um, and rapport, then deals aren't getting done. And ultimately, we have responsibility for driving shareholder value, which comes through in the form of monetizing relationships that we have and value that we're trying to deliver. And so how do you develop trust and credibility, net new trust, credibility and rapport over the phone or in a Zoom meeting or the the varying ways in which we have to communicate or choose to communicate today? I I think that's been the biggest driver. And and to expound there for a second, I think ultimately it's reiterated or reinforced how we must prepare as cyber professionals to not only, you know, have control and be educated and understand our space, obviously, but translating that relevantly and strategically to the the client we're speaking to, right? Understanding their business model, understanding their drivers, you know, depending on the level of engagement information provided by directionally understanding, you know, where, where their investments are, how they're positioned, what they're looking to achieve, um, I, I think preparation um, and the ability to engage and yeah, you know, economics are going to be part of these decisions and um, uh, tweaking how we develop a delivery model to be right fit for a, a particular client. Th- those are table stakes. But ultimately, I think what delineates 
you know, uh, competition in the market. And certainly what we try to do is ensure that to supplement that face-to-face time with our clients, our partners, um, you know, let's make sure that we've, we've fully prepared, that we've done our due diligence and that we can be part um, of, of a valuable discussion for, for whoever it is that we're engaging with. And obviously, you know, I don't know what the new normal is going to look like. I think, you know, face-to-face time and physical engagement will always have its place and there's tremendous value associated to it. But I, it's also taught us that perhaps, you know, we didn't need to be as spread thin um, and, and away from our families as much as, you know, a lot of cyber professionals or executives are um, and still be able to operate uh, a profitable, you know, profitable and sustainable business. So we'll see how that, how that unfolds going forward. But, um, you know, just a, a, a couple of perspectives based on your question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how how much people want to put their you know foot on the gas, right, in terms of getting in the car and getting out there, or getting on a plane or a train, and and you know flying cross country for an hour meeting to come back the same night or next day, right? I mean, we you and I have been we've done that for years, where you're just hopping on a plane, spend five six hours, take an hour meeting, hop on the plane and, and head yeah. home, right? Um, and just kind of work from the airport or in the, in your, in your car. <laughs> so, uh, it will be interesting to see how much that plays out. And, and it, you bring up a great point. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, resilience is also about balance. And I think you and I talked about it in the last time you are on the show, which is, you know, some of your strategies for wellness and balance. And, and it's interesting now, you know, we're having to revisit this in the context of, um, resilience, but also for, you know, talent retention, Right. Folks are getting used to not being on the road all the time. They're seeing that you can deliver and work in this, you know, remotely with video uh, in collaboration tools. So it will be interesting to see how, you know, not just from a business standpoint, but from a talent perspective where their tolerance was tolerances will be in six, eight months, um, about wanting to make, get on the plane, you know? Yeah. And I think it's different, you know, as you know, it'll be different for each role or function, if you will, within a business or in our case, our practice, right. I think ultimately delivery is always going to have an increased pressure um, and level of, of travel or engagement just based on the nature of what they do, which is delivering for our clients day in and day out. So Having, you know, that, that, that will probably be the first order of business is what's the new norm? What's the new expectation? What can we truly deliver remotely just as, if not quicker than we did prior? What's acceptable? And, and perhaps that'll be varying based on industry or, or certainly a relationship to relationship. Um, I, I think there's a unique opportunity as cyber professionals. Like, so just speaking personally, I've had the ability to learn my, my my learning time, right, which I would define as just 100% focused on something I have no idea about until I can at least have a relevant conversation with you on an elevator, right? I try to I try to do that every day, and and of course, in some cases, it's it's a much heavier lift if you're talking a a certain kind of certification or technology you're trying to expert. Then, of course, you know it would be far far more rigorous and 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 need to be far more disciplined than than what I'm talking about, but. It's given me an opportunity, I think, to to plug into things that are of interest, to round me out more professionally, and ultimately to make me more valuable to 
to the you know Capgemini, who I represent in the market today, and of course, you know who, uh, the the clients or, or partners that I'm engaging with. But I think there's an opportunity for organizations who are employing cyber professionals to really effectively and consistently and tangibly invest in the learning and education um, and journey that our our cyber uh, employees um, expect and quite frankly are deserving of. Right. So, what can we do? Um, in downtime or, you know, between deals, whatever the, the, whatever's relevant to invest in the human, right? Sometimes that's going to be, you know, p- professional virtual training. Hopefully we get back certainly in the near term to professional on-site training or group training. Um, one of the things that we're doing, my team um, going into 2021 is, is, has nothing to do with a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint or a capability or a technology or a certification, it has everything to do with how do we become better communicators? Um, you know, in, in our case, we have some folks that are extremely technically gifted, uh, um, but the ability to convey that confidently and consistently with polish and um, the professionalism that each one would like to be able to set forth, you know, varies. And so as a collective group, you know, we're going to spend the month of January carving out time um, every week to get together, you know, to, to listen to some TED Talks that we've pre-selected. Um, and then, you know, in a, in a creative fashion, hone our skills from how we become better communicators. And by the way, you know, something that I didn't pay particular attention to until this year, especially is how do you, how are you a good virtual presenter, Right. We've all been in a presentation where the person you're talking to has a monitor on the top left ceiling, which they're talking to, and you just see like the profile over their face and like a shadowed screen. And it's just, you know, it's extremely distracting, which is, which is the extreme. Eyes are moving all around. Oh yeah. 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 So um, in this case, you know, just, just not only becoming a, you know, better communicators across the team, which will pay dividends regardless of, of what our team goes and accomplishes moving forward, but, but then how do you do that virtually and, and in a consistent and effective way? So I, I just think we need to look uh, for and leverage and uh, invest in those gaps that we now have in um, that, that would typically be, you know, filled with travel or whatever else comes with it to, um, to, to not only retain our folks, but to get better um, collectively as a team. So. Yeah. You know, what I found interesting. I, I attended a couple virtual offsites, you know, in, in 20. And one of the things I found fascinating with the dynamic, being someone who's very extroverted and gets their energy from being around people, um, and then working with a lot of folks who, um, you know, are more introverted by nature from a personality standpoint, I found that being virtual where folks were in the comfort of their own environment, they were more relaxed and contributed at a much higher level of engagement because there wasn't that kind of high school cafeteria. Can I sit at this table? You know, right. what group right. should I sit with? There wasn't all the anxiety around for people around the social aspects of things that typically you experience in an in-person offsite where, you know, when people were in their, you know, in their house, going to their own refrigerator, right? Like there's just a level of comfort and the, the engagement I felt, was through the roof. Um, and honestly, being an extrovert, I was able to actually participate myself in a different way because I wasn't having to, so you know, kind of help people get through the social dynamics and kind of mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I've heard more introverts that, you know, that were having a harder time. So I was able to actually get more out of the offsites myself. So I, I'd love to get your take on, did you experience anything like that last year? And kind of where do you see that kind of shaping up? Man, that's, uh, that's, you just, that's really, really, really interesting. I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, huh. For me, I, um, you know, I, I think I, undervalued and minimized how important um, uh, engagement with, you know, professionals and human beings, folks that I enjoy, you know, working with, communicating with, engaging with and winning with. Um, We don't, you know, that wasn't a, 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 when I traveled, obviously I was going to different offices and meeting different teams, um, seeing my team, of course, on a consistent basis. And, you know, it's, it's never something I scoffed at historically, but it was just what we did. Um, and, and now not having it, um, uh, I, I think I've, I've put, I, I now understand how important that is just in general. And, and, you know, what I get from that, I, like you, I think what you just alluded to, I would align with, right. That I, you know, I want, um, I want to be around people smarter than me, which is not difficult to do. As you know, I like to be challenged. I like, you know, what you just mentioned as far as, you know, what you've seen from people being comfortable in their own domains like that, you know, that's thought provoking. I, that's a perspective that, that I didn't have. And so I think it's incredibly important that we continue to, you know, seek out, find uh, folks, groups, teams, et cetera, that uh, we can engage with and, and, and that we, you know, as human beings, as professionals, as providers, as, et cetera, that we, we don't feel like we're on an island, but that we're still, you know, connected to those things that are important to us. Um, and, and that can, you know, obviously help us, help us pull through to the other side of, uh, of this pandemic that we're in. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if that knocks it out of the park for you, but I think, you know, ultimately that, that's, that's kind of what I've recognized or what, where I'm going to, you know, and where I'm going to focus next year, by the way, is um, becoming, you know, I, I, it's, it's been mentioned to, you know, a couple of times, whether it's an article that I've read or a TED talk that I've seen that, you know, when it comes to communication and leadership, that the trait that is across both is, is listening. Um, and I think, you know, just, you know, to be a hundred percent honest, I like probably many others have, um, a decision in my head before I've even had the conversation. Right. Or, you know, I think we need to go a certain direction. And so I need to leverage, you know, the seven minutes that I have and making sure that we're aligned on what that direction is. And, and while that's still going to obviously be there and something that I manage, I want to make sure that, um, you know, in 2021 that I look to listen um, look to fully understand, you know, the situation and, and perhaps um, not be so biased in my own assumptions, right? Which is, it's challenging with the pressure and the time uh, constraints and expectations that we have, you know, for that not to find its way into your day-to-day. But I think with an active focus uh, and level of awareness around that, it's something that I can uh, uh, hopefully improve upon in 2021. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, all right, well, we got to take another short take to our sponsors. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from Vice President North American Cyber Center of Excellence from Capgemini, Mr. Drew Moorfield. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Vice President of North American Cyber Center of Excellence from Capgemini, Mr. Drew Moorfield. Drew, I got to ask you, man, you, you guys rolled out a new customer experience center in Germany. And, you know, that's obviously a com- complex initiative in any time. But ha- doing it in a, at a time where everyone's virtual, kind of tell me how that, how that went for you guys. Yeah, so um, first, really, really uh, happy about it. And, and ultimately, we're, we're trying to develop an environment um, where customers, partners, um, certainly prospects can not only see um, how certain, you know, functions uh, within a security operations center or within a, a managed security services uh, delivery model actually work or operate, but then, of course, the technology itself, the interoperability of that, um, interesting things that can be done with 
historical or even in some cases, you know, bleeding edge um, technologies, which um, can allow um, cyber professionals to make better use of information that they're getting to, to push away from information or log overload and, and to hopefully accelerate towards not only uh, uh, accurate root cause, but, but remediation and, and containment that is, that is needed on a consistent basis. When we launched um, that center, the intent was to have a, you know, a ribbon cutting and uh, a physical celebration and everything else. But, but when it was launched, which was, has been in the midst of, of this global pandemic, uh, we actually, to your, what you just alluded to, we actually had to do a completely virtual launch outside of, I think, one, one person that we had um, in the entire center or facility. And so what, what, it, what it's shown us is there is going to be an increasing need to, um, to innovate and to, to work within a lab environment to, to be able to provide new functionality or new capabilities or access to new talent and new skills, perhaps in a different way, or um, on a on a steeper trajectory than than was once anticipated. And so, it's put um, a ton of uh, prioritization around cyber talent all into itself. Now, of course, you know, you know, within that, you could you could carve out cloud security and identity access and management um, uh, as to you know risk as areas that, you know, we expect to, uh, a lot of change, a lot of growth uh, within the market. And so those skills associated to those particular domains or, or, or uh, competencies are, are going to continue to be um, an extremely high demand. But I think, you know, our ability now as providers, um, as service providers to engage with clients to yet, you know, yield or set forth different kinds of talent or capabilities um, in an accelerated and relevant fashion um, is, is game-changing, right, for us as a business, certainly, but, um, but across many of the markets that we service. So, you know, the acceleration of a tech, new technology adoption, different working models of how businesses are functioning today, What's that doing from a skills perspective? Like how, how are, what are you seeing in terms of like the speed at which practitioners can now adopt and take on, you know, the knowledge of new skills that they may have had more time to ramp up on versus now? Like, how are you guys, how's that being tackled in your, your view? Yeah, you look, it's, it's, it's a constant challenge, a constant priority. And I, I, I think it's something that, you know, it's, it's perfection um, is, is the enemy. It's, it's, it's really being um, as agile and nimble enough um, to, to service our clients, but also getting predictability, which is incredibly important and key to our business and understanding what our clients are going to need in some cases, even ahead of them fully understanding it, um, making investments today, whether it's training or identification and onboarding of net new talent that will service markets or growth trajectory that we're anticipating uh, within within the business, but um, I, I think you know COVID is also just the the growth um, of our business and of the cyber market overall. I think it has um, put additional pressure um, on uh, cyber professionals, perhaps needing to wear more hats um, than they did historically, and so it's the multifaceted, um, you know, not necessarily the proverbial unicorn. But it's, you know, the, the, the technologist or practitioner or operator 
that can effectively tie in and balance business context and initiative and, and, and speak and nomenclature is going to be incredibly important to the enterprise, right? As a bridge to lead the transformation of, of these businesses uh, on a go forward basis. And, you know, and then on our end, um, uh, you know, I think the, as we mentioned earlier, the, the opportunity to perhaps, you know, leverage downtime or availability that our talented resources have to upskill um, and to continuously kind of nurture that multifaceted aspect of their baseline talent um, is going to be uh, important for us to, to take advantage of and pour into as, uh, as employers going forward. All right, man, before we roll out of here, give me your one, your top prediction for, for the new year. Oh, man. Uh, um, you know, I, I think the, it's not necessarily, uh, I, I think the OT cyberspace is going to recognize substantial growth uh, and expansion and capability, uh, both, you know, as manufacturers, as, as these industries, you know, inherent to them. But then um, also as, as, as service providers figure out a way to, to better or more effectively service them going forward, I think there's going to be uh, incredible growth there. And, and from an identity access management perspective, you know, if you think of perfect inventory needed, um, uh, understanding of traffic within your environment, both physical and virtual, um, where the attack typically happens at the application layer what the application has as far as, you know, critical and high risk information constructs, who has access to that? I mean, we're t- it's like the holy triad of, uh, of both risk and defensive, uh, you know, effective defense. And so, you know, I think there's going to be a need and a recognition for how critical a rock solid A to Z identity access management plan is from provisioning to compliance to governance to privileged user access. I think there's going to be considerable maturation um, at the enterprise level out of, you know, just sheer necessity. And by the way, since, you know, your listeners may not know this, unfortunately, I, 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 I you know, you told me earlier that you were a Patriots fan. I had no idea. I, I, I'm typically a better judge of character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but since I'm a, well, since we, I'm we, a won't go, we won't go there with you with the Redskins, but you know, yeah, I yes. think it is what it is uh, now that the tonight. seasons are uh, winding down. But hey, Drew, look, I, as always, brother, I always appreciate our time together, but I really appreciate you coming again uh, back on the show. So uh, best of luck to you in 21 and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thanks. I've enjoyed it. Take care. Happy new year. You too, brother. All right, folks, time for us to bounce up on out of here. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.